I'm Max Kreitzer, and you're listening to The Story Of. This is the story of the first time I was sarcastic. It was during the greatest summer of my life, and after my most traumatic accident, that I used sarcasm on someone not in my family for the first time. Growing up, I wasn't exposed to much sarcasm. My sister Britt is two years older than me, and my sister Haley is four years younger than me. To this day, I can't really imagine Britt saying something sarcastic. Haley does, but she was too young at the time to have started. My sisters were also my best friends. I loved hanging out and playing with them. Haley and I would look for bugs, or sometimes we would try to play Little's Pet Shop. It was hard for Haley and I to play Little's Pet Shop together, because she had created a dynamic, soap opera-like world with marriages, divorces, tragedies, love triangles, alliances, and dynasties. I'd always want to initiate some sort of action sequence, like there was a fire or robots attacked, or this one time when an unmanned Barbie Jeep wrecked itself into the shelf where they all lived, causing complete devastation to all the little pet shop homes. Haley went along with it, but it would wreak havoc on her storylines. Everything that happened in Little's Pet Shop Town was canon, and she would have to invent plots to set everything back to normal. After the Barbie Jeep wreck, the prominent patriarch dog, Mudroll, was in a coma for a few weeks. I later found out that during the coma, Mudroll's wife had left him, and another animal had married her, and that animal had managed to convince the community that Mudroll was the one who had driven the Jeep into the housing complex in the first place. Mudroll eventually woke up, but he had memory loss. Through weeks of therapy, both mental and physical, he reclaimed his memories and worked to convince his ex-wife and the town of his innocence. Haley was five years old at this time, and this may sound exaggerated, but in preparation to share the story, I texted Haley, who is now working on her doctorate in chemical engineering, because I couldn't remember what Mudroll's name was. Three minutes later, this is the text I got. OMG, Mudroll was my main character. His father was Goggles, and his first wife was Poodles. His brother was Squirty, parentheses. He shot water out of his mouth. Also, they didn't come with names. I made them up, parentheses, if you couldn't tell. There was an Indian cat named Bombay. The mayor was also deeply involved in the cover-up. And then she sent me like eight pictures of all the characters and, and their names and everything. My other sister Britt and I would play board games and do girl stuff, like play Girl Talk or Mall Madness. Or she would go over the letter and the number of the day with me that she had learned on Sesame Street. We would also roller skate on the porch or ride bikes. That is until one Christmas, and my life changed, and I got a scooter. Britt and I were slowly getting into different things, and this was the first sign of it. I always wanted to ride my scooter, and she preferred bikes. But luckily, we lived in a neighborhood with some kids around my age, and they were usually up for exploring and riding bikes, while I would ride my scooter alongside them. As kids, we were allowed to play in a few block proximity of our house, made up mostly of unpaved rocked alleys that were steep and flat paved back roads. We had each alley named based on their steepness and roughness. The steepest and roughest alley was known as the Devil's Catbone. We called it the Devil's Catbone because one time we found a partially decomposed cat skeleton at the bottom of the alley. The Devil's Catbone was fun for bikes, but I was into scooters now, and it was impossible to go down on a scooter. That is until one day, coming back from my parents' shop in downtown Leavenworth, I saw the alley was blocked off with cones and caution tape. Had they found another cat skeleton? Maybe a child skeleton? 
Were they investigating? I asked my dad what was going on. Looks like they're finally paving the alley, he said. Paving it, I asked. Like making it smooth, like a street, he said. Holy shit. I'd be able to take my scooter down it. For days, I would wake up at first light and scoot down to the devil's cat bone to see if the work was complete. And for days, it wasn't. I would check back at lunch and then in the evening. I scooted back and forth so much that week that my right leg became so much stronger than my left leg. I started favoring it on stairs. Finally, one morning, I scooted the streets to the devil's cat bone and I saw the beautiful sight of an orange truck slopping black muck on old rocks. And that's when Corner Lady came out of her house. Corner Lady was an older woman who lived on the corner at the bottom of Devil's Cat Bone. She was the one we suspected would kill her cats and throw their spines in the alley. We knew Corner Lady because she had banned us from riding on her sidewalk. She had a tiny garden and a nice grassed yard, and she was afraid we'd run our bikes, and scooters presumably, through her grass line, messing it up. It wouldn't have been a big deal, but there was a giant bump on her sidewalk from a tree root under the concrete that we could get some sweet air off of. When Corner Lady was home, we would see her car in the driveway. She always parked her car outside the garage because her garage was full of cats. Judging from the smell though, they were, the cats were alive. We used to ramp her sidewalk when her car was gone, but she caught on and she started laying broomsticks across the sidewalk when she left. We didn't move the brooms because if we were to lay them in her yard out of the way, they would probably damage the grass and she could arrest us for destruction of property. If we laid the brooms outside of the sidewalk on the other side, then she would have us arrested for stealing since they were off her property. I was the one who had argued both of these scenarios to the neighborhood group. I was very afraid of, of going to prison. I still am. Corner Lady was outside now and she was watching me make my scooter dreams come true. Corner Lady looked at me and said, It's about time. I've been telling them for weeks. Water is eroding my alley. When do you think they'll be done? I asked, mounting my scooter. Better be tonight, Corner Lady said. She had a broom with her, I think because she had just had her lawn mowed, but it could have been to throw it on the sidewalk. I don't know, because I was there. I scooted off. I needed to rest up. Tomorrow, for the first time, I would be able to ride my scooter down the devil's cat bone. The next morning, I walked my scooter down our alley to my neighbor Ryan Berry's house. He was still in his pajamas. He said, maybe later. I walked my scooter back up the alley and scooted on the sidewalk to my other neighbor's house, Andy. Andy was also in his pajamas. I'd have to do this on my own. I stared down at the freshly paved devil's cap bone, the smell of fresh asphalt filling my nostrils with every breath. I tightened my sister's flower helmet on. I couldn't find mine that morning. And then I planted my left foot firmly on the scooter and with my right leg, I pumped. For the first few feet, everything was how I hoped it would be. The ride was smooth, the path was clear. Suddenly, I'd heard a noise I'd long missed. It was the sound of wind through the slots in my sister's helmet. I remember hearing the noise often during the days of riding my bike, but I'd never been able to achieve the speed I needed for that sound on a scooter. As I realized about halfway down the alley, I'd never actually gone fast on my scooter. All the downhill streets in my proximity were gravel. I would always have to hop off my scooter and walk them. The streets and sidewalks that I was able to scoot on were all flat, 
I had never gone faster than my right leg could push me. As the asphalt blurred with speed, so did my thoughts. How would I stop? I'd only ever stop by not pumping my leg anymore. As the front tire in my scooter started wobbling with the extreme speed, and as I was nearing the end of the alley, I decided I would aim my scooter toward Corner Lady's yard. Prison would be better than flying across the street and plunging into the creek full of broken shopping carts and broken dreams. But I would never get that chance. My front tire hit a chunk of spilled asphalt, causing my scooter to launch me into the air. Size, distance, and height are all relative to a child. Have you ever visited your old elementary or middle school as an adult? I hope not, but if you have, you'll think, oh my god, I fit in here? These classes seem so huge. The hallways seem so long. So I realize that the next description may seem hyperbolic. But I want you to know, I thought long and hard about the actual height and distance of my crash in order to be as accurate as possible. I flew into the air so high, I could see the top of my house down the block. I landed chin and knees first and skidded on them for a quarter of a mile. I lay there bleeding, dazed, imagining my funeral, when suddenly I heard a voice. My spirit re-entered in my body, and with all the effort of a dying man, I turned my head towards the sound. It was Corner Lady. What? I croaked, and she repeated. I said, did you get a little boo-boo? I peeled what was left of my skin off the burning asphalt and stood up. I looked down at the bloody hamburger mess that was now my knees. Yeah, I said, I got a little boo-boo. Corner Lady turned away from me and walked inside. I wobbled, hunched over and limping, to go pick up my scooter. I dragged it behind me. I started my long walk back to the house. When I was almost to the end of the street, Corner Lady came back outside, calling out after me, holding up the smallest band-aid I had ever seen to this day. Do you need a band-aid? She asked, but I pretended not to hear. Today's episode was sponsored by Blue Apron. Blue Apron, here, you cook this shit. <laughs>